The Outlet. The Talk of Southland. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour, and in this podcast, I talk to Cormac Buchanan. Now, he's 16 years old and in 2021 became the first New Zealand rider to compete in the Red Bull Rookies Cup in Europe. He was invited back in 2022, and now he's preparing to take on the full schedule in 2023. We chat about what got him started in bike riding, who's going to Europe with him, and what his goals are for this year. Plus, I'll catch up with Jock Saunders, a Southland farmer who organised the Southland Relief Initiative to help people and animals in Hawke's Bay after the cyclone. Jock was inspired by a desperate phone call from a mate of his in the Hawke's Bay. But first up, let's take a look at local news from the Southland app. The Outlet, local news. Here's some of the stories this week you can read more about on your Southland app. Manapori residents have been left stunned after several mature native trees were felled in an apparent act of vandalism over the weekend. The MLT Moonshine Trail has made a successful return to the event's calendar after the 2022 event was cancelled due to COVID restrictions. The Woodlands Rugby Football Club is holding its 125th Jubilee on Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th of May and elevated levels of potentially toxic algae have now been found in the Whitestone River below Hillside Road. You can read these stories and get the latest news by turning on notifications in your Southland app. Local news, sport and information. The Outlet. The Southern Farmers Market Invercargill is on every Sunday from 9.30 to 1.30 at the Invercargill Railway Station. Now it's a great place to buy locally grown produce, artisan products and there's an international food court as well. Now Cormac Buchanan is 16. He's recently had a UK documentary crew profiling him as part of seven of the world's rising rookie motorcyclists. He's about to head off to Europe and has some big goals and he joins me now. Tell me, how old were you when you first became interested in motorbikes? I guess my passion for motorbikes started when I was quite young. Um, My father, he raced motorbikes. So I had my first motorbike when I was four. And from there, I kind of just rode on dirt, like motocross and speedway. And um, really, the turning point for me was in 2016 at Phillip Island for the MotoGP. My father, he took me there and it kind of flipped the switch in a way. It kind of made me get, you know, attracted to the road bikes and stuff. So um, for 2017, for my birthday, I got my first ever road bike, which was a Honda Grommer 125. So from there, it was kind of just doing a lot of, you know, track days and stuff, having to wear a pink vest just to, to you know, the faster riders to watch out for me, you know. And then it just kind of started growing and stuff, going overseas, racing and all that. And um, yeah, we're now racing in Europe in the World Championship. So, Do you remember your first ever ride by yourself on a motorbike? I do, actually. I remember pretty much... Um, we went to Mike Piro Motorsport Park, which is in Christchurch, and it was a track day. And I remember I'd always have Dad riding with me, and, and for some reason on this day he was not actually allowed to, so I had to go out and ride by myself. And I remember it was quite daunting because when I was riding, you know, on the track, it was kind of like having Dad there with me. And this was my first time I kind of like got thrown into the deep end, and it happened, so happened to be that this was also a race start as well, and. I'd never done a race start on a road bike before, so I had no idea what I was doing. 
but um you know it was a it was a there's a first for everything and that was probably one of the more daunting experiences in my career yeah now i know when you used to ride on your bike with your dad i read somewhere that your your dad thought man this bike doesn't seem to be going right but apparently you were trying to drop your knee down yeah i remember that we're, we'd always like ride through the catlins on the I was on the back of a ZX14, and whenever I'd go through the corner, I'd always try and get my knee down and stuff like that, always hanging off the bike, trying to be like Marquez and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, he'd always tell me to stop, but I never would. I'd keep doing it. And it was only until I got my first road bike that I stopped doing it. Now, you're about to head off to, to Europe. So tell us a bit about what you're doing this year. This year, pretty much, I'm competing in the Red Bull Motor GP Rookies Cup and the Junior GP World Championship. So that is a season that starts in March for the Rookies Cup and I think May for the Junior GP. So that goes till November. So yeah, it's uh, I think seven races in both championships. So we're racing in all these, all around Europe pretty much. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting this year. It's my third and last year of the Rookies Cup and my second, well, my first full year in the Junior GP. So I'm really excited to get underway. Obviously the team I race with, the AGR team I um, did a few wild cards with them, you know, on the June GP last year, and that went really well. So I'm looking forward to getting a full season under my belt, yeah. So what are your goals for Europe this year? What do you want to come back with? For me, I, I think the best thing to come back is as a world champion. That's what my goal is this year. Um, for Rookies Cup, world champion would also be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, the goal is to go into 2024 racing in the Moto3 World Championship. Really, what we have to do to make that happen is to win the championship this year, so... I feel like I've got the right team behind me. I've got the right, you know, mindset. I feel like training-wise and mentally, I'm as prepared as can be. So um, I think this year I'm in with a good shot. How much practice do you do? A lot of it is um, on on bike training. Uh, a lot of stuff at cart tracks on, you know, bigger bikes. Um, a lot of stuff in the gym as well. A lot of training with that and a lot of cardio. Obviously, the races overseas are very, very uh, long, 40 minutes or so every time. So um, compared to the races here in New Zealand, they're kind of like an endurance compared to a sprint. So, yeah, there's a lot of training that goes into it, a lot of, uh, you know, fitness, high-intensity stuff because it's kind of like you're at a certain max performance, like 180 beats per minute for the whole entire time. So you've got to kind of train your body at that level to be able to withstand that amount of, you know, um, you know, physical exertion. So um, you, you get pretty tired if your heartbeat's sitting up that high, don't you? Yeah, you certainly feel it. Yeah, you certainly feel it. Those last laps are always the most difficult ones. So who goes with you to Europe, mum or dad? Well, mum doesn't know how to change a tyre on a motorbike, so that means that dad gets to go to Europe this year. She's always upset because she says, you never teach me how to change a tyre. But no, um, this year pretty much me and my dad, we're heading over just like we did in 2021. So that's going to be interesting. Lads on tour, we like to call it. She thinks she's going to be able to come over for a round or so, maybe midway through the year, which would be good. Because um, obviously last year we had the whole family go over, not just my mum and dad, but also my sister. And that was really good, you know, having the whole family over to kind of experience everything with you. But as I think it's, it's going to be more difficult this year because now she knows what she's missing out on, having been over here, you know, last year. It's not going to be easy saying goodbye, but you know it's it's all worth it in the long run yeah now you've had a film crew from the uk following you around a bit so what what was that like and what's that all about um so pretty much this year in the rookies cup there is a documentary called born races so that's going to follow us out for the whole season this year um and there's seven of us rookies that got chosen to have the film crew come to our home country and hometown and just kind of film behind the scenes and stuff 
So we chose Bertman Road, which is pretty much the perfect time for them to come to Invercargill. Um, so yeah, that was really cool just to kind of capture my life outside of racing as well, but also capture Bertman Row. Because um, obviously, you know, they've, the Bertman Row, they've supported me for quite a long time. So it was good to give them the exposure that, that they deserve, you know. Um, and they were just astounded, you know. They don't have that sort of stuff overseas, like the beach racing and the speedway and stuff like that. You know, just blew them away. And this year was a really good year for the Bertman Row. You know, good numbers of crowd and the atmosphere was there all week. So um, it was really cool to have them there. Oh, that's brilliant. You've been educating them about how good we are at motorsports here in the country, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Now, I understand too that you've just got your learner's license. Yes, I've just got my learner's license. That was actually something that the film crew filmed, Dad giving me a driving lesson. Yeah, I've got my learner's license now. So I'm, I need to get as much experience under my belt. It's really annoying though, because obviously you have to wait six months till you can get your restricted. But by the time that six months ends, I'm going to be in Europe. So I've got to wait even longer to get my um, restricted, you know. So yeah. Thanks for having a chat with me today. I mean, you're 16 years old. You're about to take on the world. It's just so impressive, mate. And I wish you all the very best. No, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, it'll be a good year this year. I'm looking forward to it. Eh? The Outlet. From your Southland Dam. Tiano's Tartan Festival is a chance to celebrate the South Scottish roots and the Southland Kiwi spirit. Highland performers compete in front of their home crowd and national judges, and your family can enjoy a fine tartan themed day with good food, a bumper Easter market, entertainment, and a variety of specially adapted Highland games open to all. You can find all the info by clicking the events and attractions button on your Southland app. Jock Saunders is a Southland farmer who organised a Southland relief initiative to help Hawke's Bay after the cyclone. Jock was inspired by a desperate phone call from a mate in the Hawke's Bay and he joins me now. G'day Jock, how are you? Good mate, good, how are you? Very good, thank you. You've been a very busy man, haven't you? Uh, yeah, there's, there's always something to do, so um, we're just getting it done. Now... You did a whole lot of fundraising and, and getting um, stuff for people to send up to Hawke's Bay because you got a phone call from one of your mates, didn't you? Yes, yes. Uh, Stephen Haswell from BioAg, he's just, just south of Napier there, just gave me a phone call and just said they, they need basic supplies. Like They couldn't even get uh, batteries to put in flashlights and you know fuel containers to get down to the local petrol station to get some fuel to to put in generators because guys had to leave their houses so quick um you know fuel containers buried in the back shed under two meters of silt now and and they're trying to get information as well and and things like batteries for portable radios and that yeah it's just stuff that you don't think about right no, no, and quite a few people have said that, like um, a lot of the guys are out on, on road watch now, you know, just making sure people aren't on the road that shouldn't be um, at night, um, but they haven't even got batteries for their for their headlights they're struggling with. Basic basic necessities, um, you know, all the, all the silt's dried out now. Well, it had dried, they actually got quite a bit of rain um, the last few days. But when that toxic um, silt actually dries out, the, the guys are breathing that in. Mm. So um, basic masks, which the good thing was, um, after what's happened in New Zealand or around the world in the last two, three years, um, people seem to have a lot of masks lying around. So that was quite a good thing. 
Yeah, one of the things that I noticed too, that it's kind of practical stuff you don't think about because when you think of an emergency, you always think of food and clothes. But it was things like wheelbarrows and shovels and things because all of that had been sold out. Yes, yes, uh, it doesn't take long for the for people to zip around the local stores and, you know, you, you look at Mitre Tens or placemakers in, in your hometowns, they might have five, six wheelbarrows there. Mm. Like, it's not something that they stock a, a, a lot of. Um, and the shovels and the wheelbarrows were the same thing. They're buried in silt in the back shed or in the garden shed. But, yeah, it, it's quite scary when you think of everything we take for granted that we just go out and we pick up and we use but some guys have lost everything the other thing too is tents and camping gear because uh, there's such pressure on accommodation right yes well we've got um quite a few well foreigners right now coming over to picking fruit and whatnot and they normally live in just little bungalows out the back and they share a cooking area but a lot of them have just been flooded out. Um, all their bedding's gone, everything. Like those, those guys don't bring a lot over here. Most of it is supplied, but again, sheer basics, um, cooking equipment, gas bottles. It doesn't take long to, to use them all up as soon as they get sheared around a wee bit. Generators were a big one. Trying to share them around, the people that do still have running freezers and stuff in their, in their garage or in their house sharing generators just to just to keep the freezer um, frozen a couple of hours a day and then hand it on to the next door neighbour but um, yeah a few people were getting a few generators stolen and stuff like that just uh, 5% of people or even 1% of people just causing trouble for other people which is a hard thing when you've lost so much and then someone's bloody robbing you <laughs> it's, um, yeah not a good place to be no, it's not the Kiwi way. Also, you were you know getting supplies for animals because you, you forget about you know you still got livestock around, right? So livestock, even cats, dogs, all that. It was quite humbling to actually see the pellets going on a truck yesterday, heading up to the Hawkes Bay. And it is one thing a lot of people forget about is the animals. Mm. But on the other side, there are so many people that are so animal orientated and that's that's probably just dealing with farmers you know we think about our animals um first and foremost so um plenty of dog food and cat food and whatnot going up canned food it was um yeah quite good to see and, and a lot of people actually talked about it so you had a truck go up must have been chock-a-block so who were the people that you called in favors for sort of my first phone call i just rang a few mates and um talked about what what needed to be done Probably the second one was actually finding a depot to actually box everything up. And I rang Simon Knight of uh, Dairy Tech in Southland. And they're actually busy building a new new store there. And I said, oh, any chance we could use your big shed just to have a drop-off point? And that's typical Simon, nothing's ever a problem. And he was actually the one that actually got on to McNeil's and, you know, called in a few favours to get some transport up there. The big one for us was... There was people in like Tiarnow, you know, that's it's an hour and a half drive to Winton that want to donate stuff, but it's a long way for them to drive to drop a couple of boxes off. So we called PGG Wrightsons up there and um, asked if we could have a drop-off point in their store. And they were really good. They got us a couple of pallets all wrapped up nicely and a lot of new gear in it. People just going down to Frontier Supplies and picking up brand new gas cookers, gas bottles. So it was quite good. PGG Wrightsons and... A Tau Tau and Tua Tapri were really good. So they did the, the same sort of thing. 
there's a few other drop-offs around around Southland, Gore, and Invercargill. Telfer's electrical and in Invercargill, sorry. So it, it didn't take long when you got a few depots like that to people to jump into gear and actually start supplying it. That's probably Southland for you. <laughs> No, that sounds great. Look, hey, well, hey, thanks for everything that you've done, Jock. I mean, you know, you, you've you've done this before. You organised things when the Christchurch earthquake. You've done this for the flood relief. And I know you're a busy guy. You're running a farm. You're doing so many things. But, you know, thank you so much for organising some relief for Hawke's Bay. Oh, no, I was just phone calls. It just needed someone to start with a phone call. And, yeah, that's that's really all I was doing, um, phone calls. It was the people of Southland that brought it all together. So they should be very proud of what they've done. And you can read more of Jock's story in the new section on your Southland app. The Outlet from your Southland app. The Outlet is produced and published by the Southland app and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. The Outlet is available by pressing the Outlet button on your Southland app and wherever you get your podcasts.